moment for us to come together as uh, the one body of Christ uh, around the table of the Father and uh, receive again from the emblems and you know uh, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So once again we go back into scripture and I want you to go with me to the book of Second Corinthians once again. And I'm, I'm going to read with you, uh, slowly but surely, uh, a few passages of the scripture. I start uh, reading from chapter 2, verse 12. Okay, as I said, please uh, take time to read the whole book of uh, Second Corinthians, maybe even First Corinthians, just to get uh, the flow, you know. Um, when you read Second uh, Corinthians, the introduction, you see Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Okay, so they were together. Okay. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all the holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then let's go to verse 12, uh, chapter 2. Paul is saying here, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Timothy there. So I said goodbye to them and went out, went on to Macedonia. Maybe I stop here for a moment. Something very interesting has happened here. You know, Paul was uh, preaching, and you know, after coming over from Asia Minor, you know, God opened a lot of doors there. You know, the door to Bithynia, it was closed, but then God opened the door. When that man came to him and said, come over and help us, and, Jesus, and, and, and uh, uh, Paul, Paul did exactly that. Now here he say, he, he's saying, I had an open door. You know, I could do the ministry. But I found that somehow the peace was not with me, okay? Now, you know, when, when you have an open door, you are tempted to, to really relish that open door, okay? And uh, that is what Paul could have done. He could have relished that open door, did his ministry, enjoyed the time there. And of course, you know, he, he was able to do that later on and even before he was doing that. But there was something that was missing here, okay? And he says very clearly, I, had, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Timothy there in Troas. You know, sometimes we become so immersed about this, the big things of God that we forget the relationships that matter in our life. And uh, here you have uh, the mighty apostle Paul, if you may call him that. I, I, I know he didn't call himself that, but I'm just saying because from, from scripture we know that he definitely was, was a mighty apostle. But when he was doing his ministry uh, and he didn't find his brother, he was not just continuing business as usual. He was going out to go to Macedonia looking for his brother. 
You know, I think we can learn something from there. You know, it's very important that we always recognize others who are in the ministry with us. You know, maybe Timothy was just a son, okay, as some people may say. But to Paul, this son was very important. That's why he even introduced that letter of Second Corinthians, not just as the apostle, you know, of Jesus Christ by the will of God, but also Timothy, our brother. Okay? At that time, probably he was not yet on the level of uh, what he would call later my son, Timothy. Okay? But he was still there, and for him, Timothy was a very integral part of what he was doing. So he was not just going ahead and doing the things that, that uh, God had called him to do. He was mindful. And you know, you know, one thing that we must never forget, always be mindful of the people who are with you in ministry. You know, that may be, that may be your wife. Okay? That may be somebody who has been put on your side. Maybe your son or your daughter or whatever, you know, but... Be mindful. You're not alone. Okay? You can say, ah, I've got an open door, you know, so I'm going to exploit that open door to the, to the last bit. You know, Paul was able to walk away from the open door because he was seeking his brother. Okay? A very important lesson. I, I, I very much want us to think about that, pray about that. Okay? And you know, later on in the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, and of course in many other scriptures, including the book of, uh, of Acts, you see that bond between Paul and Timothy was very close. Okay? It was actually growing stronger and stronger. And even so, you have an open door. If you have got your brother with you or your sister with you, then you can even do much better and the open door may not close for you it will still be open when you come with the one God has put you together with so let's be mindful of this you know we are not sole players in the kingdom of God we are team players okay we are always team players we are not alone now Paul continues with his uh, thoughts, and he may not necessarily give an answer what happened exactly. You know, you can actually read this, study this from the book of Acts and other places. But then he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Okay, so in other words, God has given you a ministry. He has given you an aroma Okay, and that aroma must be spread. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Okay, so an aroma to both, to those who are, who are listening and uh, getting converted and those who are not converted, to those who are making fun of you. Okay, we are still the aroma of Christ, pleasing to God. But then the difference comes after that. To the one we are the aroma that brings death. Okay, that's why you have difficulties. That's why you have hardships. That's why you are, uh, you know, sometimes uh, seeing the rocks in your, in your road. 
because there are some who are who are receiving you as the the aroma of this. But to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those who are sent from God. Okay, that's a very important word. You know, I, I, I encourage you, just meditate upon this word. This is very, very deep. So, you have a message, okay? You have an aroma. That aroma means death to some and means life to others. The same word that you're speaking, but there is a, there is a sharp, double-edged sword in your word that you do not see, that divides people. Okay, and because it divides people, you know, some will receive life, some will be rejoicing in what you are saying, and others, they are saying, hey, I'll get you. Okay, I'll deal with you. Because to them it's this. Okay, because they're not, not willing to receive it. You know, uh, John chapter 1 says that people life loved darkness more than the light. And you know where darkness is... is, is, is is not being illuminated by the light, that darkness will try to slay you back. Okay? Of course, we know darkness really has not much power because uh, any small light can make, make uh, darkness disappear, isn't it? But that's the struggle in which we are. Okay? That's the, 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 the continuous um, battle. The spiritual battle in which we are. We have a word. We carry a word. And, and this word is pleasing to God. But this word will do good things to one and bring judgment to the others. Okay? Bring blessings to, the, to the, those who are, who are uh, you know, receiving it as the word of God. And they will, uh, it, it will also be a, a sort that brings uh, death to others. And no wonder, you know, are we in that conflict in which we are. You know, as we have earlier looked at uh, the suffering and the hardships that uh, were experienced by Christ. This is the reason for it. You know, God has entrusted his word to us. And this word is powerful. Okay, this word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Okay, this word brings life, but it also brings death. And that has consequences, okay? Some people are so happy when they see you, they hug you, and they, they say, oh, I love you. You know, you're doing so well. And the others, exactly, you know, as a response of the same word that you have preached, they say, I'll, 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 I'll beat you up, okay? <laughs> That's the nature of the ministry in which we are, okay? The word of God is not ours. It's his. We carry it. Okay? We carry the word and the world will do its own its own work. You know, where the word can reach, you cannot reach. Okay? Like like uh, Hebrews four twelve tells us very clearly that the word of God is like a double edged sword, it will it will you know divide bone and marrow. Okay, bone and marrow, you know, marrow is inside of the bone, you understand. But it's a picture of dividing what is of God and what is of the world, okay? What is not of God. 
And obviously, you will get reaction when the when that when that double-edged sword will will uh, go through uh, to divide. Then there will be reactions. So the ones will be happy, the other ones will be mad. And no wonder will it uh, bring people who have that ministry, who carry that that uh, vocation and that calling into trouble. Okay, you can't help it. This is not a word that we manufacture ourselves. This is the word of God, okay? Very clearly. That's why the word of God says, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Okay, for God, the word is the same. You understand? But the double-edged sword will divide things into one part and into the other part. And the word will, will, will bring division. You know, that's what sometimes you have to learn to understand. You know, when we started with our work here at Go Center, you know, we were a young church. We had a lot of young people. And, and at one time, you know, I thought, you know, if you have so many young people, hey, you know, in a few years' time, we will, we will, you know, just grow so big that we, that we don't have no more space. That is uh, uh, very immature thinking. <laughs> because the reality is, you preach. Some people are happy, but there's a majority who will walk away from you. There are some people who cannot, who cannot, sit, cannot sit and listen to that word for a long time. Okay? Now, that I didn't understand when, when we started. I didn't understand that. I thought everybody's happy. Okay? I thought everybody must be happy with the wonderful word of God, which I love. Okay? The reality is no. Okay? Sometimes God raises the bar so high that people cannot just manage to sit under it. That's, that's a reality. So you will see people... Uh, drifting away. You know, somebody came to me at one time and says, oh, Pastor, we, we came from UCZ. I think now it's time for us to go back to UCZ. <laughs> you know, he says, why? Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, the, 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 the order of service is easier to take there. <laughs> the order of service. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you know, I have no problem. If people want to go to wherever, uh, that's, that's up to them. You know, I mean, God has given me, and I hope to every one of you, a calling that is not just average. Okay, God has given you a word to carry. And when you carry that word, whether you like it or not, it will be rejected by people. Okay? You cannot make everybody happy. That's why I said earlier on, you know, yesterday, uh, if I ask you, do you have enemies? Don't be fast to say no. Because you may have enemies, except that you don't know. Okay? Now you say, but I never made an enemy. Praise the Lord, if you never made an enemy, that's a good thing. But the word that you carry makes you enemies. Okay? Because the word of God is uncompromising. Okay? The word of God is a double-edged sword. It's, it's actually doing some work 
that you don't even control. It's the, 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 God, the Lord God himself who is controlling that work. And as a result, they see you. They don't see God. So they hate you as a result of it. Are, are we together? You know, this is a very important word, you know. For we are to God a pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are, being, those who are perishing. So as far as God is concerned, we are pleasing because we carry the word. Okay? As far as to our hearers are concerned, some say, hey, praise God, this is good. I like this. Others say, you are mad. You know? There's something wrong with you. You have a demon. Even Jesus, they said, you have a demon. Because something inside is happening which they don't like. They reject. And that is what we must not forget. You know, you carry the living word of God. And as you carry the living God, it's a pleasing aroma to Christ. It's pleasing to God for you to carry the word. But the one who experiences the effect of the word, it's a different story. Have you noticed that? If you, know, if you haven't noticed that, you, you will notice it. You know, I'm sure you have. And, you know, we can't apologize for that because we are sent from God. Okay? We are not doing it for the sake of money. You know, those who are preaching for the sake of money, they have got very different messages. Very, very different messages. They promise you everything in the world. You know? But for us, we carry the life-giving word. Okay? And the life-giving word, that, that double-edged sword, it's not controlled by us. It's controlled by God himself. Okay? But when you carry it, you're a pleasing aroma to Christ. And even Paul is asking, who is equal to such a task? You know, this is something, God is, is asking us to do something which is beyond our control. You know, you carry an agent which you cannot control. Isn't it? You have a, a tool in your hand which you don't know how it will work in somebody's life. Okay? Somebody says, praise the Lord, and another one says, cursed are you. Okay? Same word. Same word. So, we are not changing our message because of that. And of course, you know, today people have messages. They are so soothing. They are so beautiful. They are so nice. Everybody wants to hear those messages. But, uh, you know, God didn't ask us to manufacture a message. God just asked us to carry the good news. Okay? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. Okay? Now, to some it's good news, to some it's bad news. But it's not up to us. Okay? It's not up to us to decide. Who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profits. Okay? Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? We don't peddle the word of God for, for profits. Okay? We are not adjusting our message to tune it to what the ears of the hearer wants to, to hear. You know, in, in fact, this is, this is a, a very clear word of the end times that in the last days, people will 
bring preachers to themselves who are going to preach what their ears are itching for. Isn't it? And we cannot, we cannot do that. We must be ministers of the new covenant and the ministers of the new covenant they will preach regardless of whether somebody is happy or somebody is crying. That's our call. Okay, so Paul makes it very clearly in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Okay? We are not hired by somebody with a bag of money. We are not a hired hunt. We are sent from God. And of course, Paul is asking the question then, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? No, of course not. Okay, being sent by God is a, is a holy calling. Okay, and not, it's nothing to do with boasting. Actually, it's, 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 it's even a tough calling, you know. So you, you don't want to boast something that, is, that can cost you your life. Okay. Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets but of stones, but on tablets of the human hearts. Okay? So, in other words, some people were going around and they were saying, no, when you come here, you must have a letter of recommendation. Okay? And Paul says, you, the people who have hurt, have been transformed, have been, been renewed by the grace of God, you are our letter of, of recommendation. Okay, what God is doing is a testimony, okay? It's a testimony that will stand and speak for itself, okay? Not written with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves, not to, to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. So in other words, Paul is fully uh, aware of the fact that whatever the word of God is going to accomplish, it is not something for his own glory. Okay? And you, know, you see here, this is, this is a spirit of humility here. And we need to have that spirit of humility. Even though so, Paul was a great apostle, he was not saying, you know, this is because of us being apostles. That's why this and this is happening. No. He says very clearly, this is a work of the spirit of the living God who is writing not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of the human heart. So the work that, you know, is eventually seen as the gospel of God in action in a human being is God's work. It's not the work of man. Our, our job is it simply to be pointing the way, speaking the word, being a spokesman for God, okay? And then when you do that, you are, you are having the aroma of Christ and he's pleased with you. 
But don't think you will have 100% success. You will not have. Okay? That is a, that is a fallacy. That's wrong thinking. Don't think my, my, my church must be the biggest in the, in, 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 the, in the city. How do you know? God, God chooses those who are making a difference for his life. In fact, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I say it anyway. Some of the people in the crowd that you have, they are actually giving you a headache. You know, when they go, you should actually thank God. Okay? You know, we have seen this several times. I mean, I'm just, this is, this is uh, documented. This is documented, you know? I think, you know, in 2002, was it 2002? We lost a lot of people. But even so, we lost a lot of people. Our income never went down. Actually, it went up. So which means the people who left were thieves. <laughs> they didn't contribute anything. Okay? Pastor Minawina, you remember, you know, we, we had to buy more chairs, more chairs to sit, to sit the, the thieves. You know? <laughs> And then they left, and the chairs were remaining empty. But, but in reality, we lost nothing. Okay? In reality, we could even uh, you know, have a stronger composition because all the weaknesses in between, the clay was, was removed. You know, God purified us. Now for a success-driven uh, uh, pastor, that's a problem. Okay, because you, you count your numbers. Okay, we have got 255 or 765 or whatever the case may be. And now all of a sudden it's only half. You know, they say, ah, what will people say to me? You know, what will people think? And I remember at one time, and this is an experience I've, I've actually mentioned that a, a number of times. You know, I remember when, when suddenly the church was half full or half empty, whatever you may call it. You know, I, I remember I walked in from the back on a very particular place. I'll never forget it in my whole life. And it was on my mind, okay, what can we do to bring the people back again, you know? And, uh, you know, I was thinking, okay, maybe we can do another uh, television uh, commercial. You know, we, we, we make something very, very beautiful, very nice, which attracts people, which we had done in the past, Okay. And I came to a certain point, you know, walking in the aisle from behind. And God spoke to me so clearly and he says, you will not do it. Leave, leave this to me. Okay? Let me bring the people who are the right fit. And so from that moment, I stopped doing anything that I thought was a good idea. You understand? And, you know, God kept his word. God did what I could not have done. Maybe I would have filled the church back with, with a lot of clay, you know, and uh, things would have not worked. And, you know, we have seen that, you know, in, in, in life, uh, there are cycles, okay, just like seasons. Sometimes it's summer and it's, everything is so sweet and good, and then, you know, you go into winter and everything is cold and bad, okay? That's true even in the cycles of a church. But don't be afraid. The cycles are important. They are very important. Because in the cycles of uh, life, in the seasons of life, you come to know people better. You know, uh, 
what I tell young people, and uh, forgive me when I always in the uh, uh, space these kind of uh, uh, experiences, because that's a very important, you know, because uh, the church is the bride and the groom, okay? And uh, when, when I speak to young people, one, one thing I tell them, you know, how long, or I ask them, how long have you known each other? Okay? If they say three months, I tell, go back and uh, take some more time to, to know each other. My, my advice to them is you need to know each other in every season. Okay? Now we know there are natural seasons, but there are also spiritual seasons. Okay? You need to know each other when the sun is shining. Okay? But you also need to know each other when you are going through the valley of the shadow of this. When there's a funeral. You know, when you have lost a loved one. When there's this or the other happening. When you are when you are getting a job or when you are losing a job, you know, you need to know uh, how is my friend going to respond to me at such a time. You get my point. Now, you think you know each other, but actually, in reality, you don't know each other, you know. And knowing is not something that you can accomplish in a few weeks. It, it is not taking less than a year, okay. My, my advice is never get married before you have not known each other closely for at least a year. Okay, but also don't get, uh, be, be ever companions. So after you have known each other for three years, make up your mind. Either you, do, either you got married or kick the other guy off, you know. <laughs> because you can't forever just be friends. Okay, be serious, you understand. And, and that is important, you know, that is very important. So when people, when new people come, you know, uh, I think uh, those of you who are around, you may remember, Pastor, Pastor Minamini, remember, when there's a new church on the block, hey, you get a lot of influx from all kinds of different people. Beware of such people. They are not going to stay with you. They just want to get the goodies. Those are people who are just looking for, hmm, well, can I, we get some sweets from here? You, get, you understand? Once they see what kind of uh, word you have to offer or what kind of sweets you can give or not give, they will be gone, you know. Zhup. They are not seen anymore. Only when you are visiting another new church, you find them there again. <laughs> they are ever going to shift from one place to another, and those are not people you can build anything with. So beware of that, Okay. So before you are going to make somebody a pillar in your, in, your, in your congregation, know him, know her well, okay? Go through the different seasons of life and, and watch them, you know? Uh, see how they are receiving the word, whether they are uh, accepting it as the aroma of life or whether they get annoyed with you. And you know, sometimes you have people who are saying nice things, you know, there was one time, uh, one of these kind of uh, people, you know, uh, they came to our church, a well-known couple, um, and uh, this, this gentleman, he phoned me every Monday or Sunday afternoon after preaching. And he was trying to please me. And of course, after pleasing me, trying to give me advice what I should have preached and what I should not have preached. 
You know, very subtle, very subtle. You know, at first you think, ah, this is good, this is good, you know. Somebody is following what I'm saying. But eventually, you know, it was like, like uh, what happened to Paul with this uh, slave girl which uh, ran behind uh, Paul and says, these are the, 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 the messengers of the Most High. And uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, Paul realized this is the evil spirit. Okay? So you think, ah, this is good, but meanwhile, this is an evil spirit. You understand? So you must know who you are talking about. Who is talking to you? Okay? Don't just buy everything. And people who are trying to please you, there is always something sticky behind, you know? There's always something that is, you know, having a different, a different kind of thing. I mean, I'm not saying you should not, uh, you know, uh, get encouragement. It's good to get encouragement from people who you are with, working with in the ministry. It's very good. You know, sometimes I wish I would get more encouragement, but never mind. I don't want to get the wrong kind of encouragement, you know, in exclamation marks. Those, those things you don't need. And then, of course, sooner or later, you see the true colors of such people. Okay? That's why it is important to go through the seasons of life. Okay? Sometimes it's better to wait. Don't be in a hurry to lay, people, to lay hands on people and say, you are my elder, you are my, my what and what, you know? Be careful. Okay? Unless you have known them in every season of life, don't rush. Okay? There may always be a reason if, if you're not getting something what you, what you hope to get from, from your father. Okay? Because your father sees something which you may not see. So, Paul says... Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. That's true humility. You know, I mean, Paul could have boasted and nobody would have even uh, argued with him because he was a, he was a great man. No, no question about it. But that's not what he did. He says, we, we, we don't have uh, the confidence that comes from our own doing. But our, our confidence comes from what the Lord is doing. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Okay? Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. That spirit of humility is required in the ministry. You can't really go very far without that, that spirit of humility. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Okay, very famous word, eh? very famous words. So don't try to be harsh, you know. The word of God is harsh enough. Always speak the word and make sure that it is seasoned with salt, okay? That it carries the word, that the word carries the, 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 the ministry of the spirit, okay? The spirit is giving life. 
You know, you, I'm sure you have all met uh, some very legalistic preachers. They are saying a lot of things which can all be sounding good, but there's no spirit of love. We have heard from our brother Jonathan earlier on, you know, love is required. Okay, if there's no love, then uh, what you're preaching is going to kill, it will not bring life. Okay, but even if the love of God is there, even if the spirit is moving, there's still you still carry a double-edged sword. Okay, just like uh, we have said earlier on. You are the aroma of God and he's pleased with that aroma but not everybody is going to be pleased. Others will not be happy. Verse 7. Now if the ministry that has brought death which was engraved in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitionary so it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Okay? Listen, this is our calling. Our ministry must bring righteousness as the, as the result of it. But this is our theme this year, you know, that we, that we seek for the righteousness of God. Okay, so... Our call is that we bring the fruits of righteousness. God said in the book of Hosea, you know, that's our scripture for this year, plant the good seed of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Okay? If we sow the seeds of righteousness, then we will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. You know, you have heard people are saying, ah, where, where they have sent me, it's very hard ground. Actually, the ground is not hard. It's your heart. Okay, it's the heart of the people, which is hard. The, the ground is, is, is okay, you know. You can go everywhere in Zambia and find the ground where you can do agriculture. Okay, thank God we don't have a Sahara Desert. Even in Mongo, where there's a lot of desert, good things are growing. Okay, who is from Eastern Province? I mean, Western Province. Yes, Pastor Minawina. There are good things which are growing there, isn't it? In the sand. Amazing stuff. Okay? For somebody who said, ah, oh, this is the desert, I'm not, I'm not going to stay here. But there are things growing there. Do you know there are Mukula trees? Even the Chinese have known that there is Mukula tree in Western Province. Do you know that there are cashewnuts in Western Province? Huh? And people all over the world, they come here to get, the, to get the, that. They want to get the value out of it. You know, the people in the, in the area, they may not even know the value, but people in China, they know. Okay? So, wherever you go in Zambia, you know, you can plow and you can, you can get a harvest. You know, along the Zambesi, there is so much water there. Okay? Things can grow, only that you must know when the flood is coming. <laughs> so, so that you get your harvest before the flood. <laughs> Am I right? 
And this year, I hear there is Kumboka again, okay, because there is sufficient water, uh, which has not been there for the last two years or so. Huh? So, you know, even in places which you think, ah, this is a desert, actually, good things are going to grow. That's amazing. So, God says, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest the crop of love. Plow the hard ground of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Okay? This is the end result of the message that God has given to us. That's what we ought to bring. So if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? You know, I mean, you all remember uh, that as Moses had gone up on the mountain, he came down with the, with the uh, Ten Commandments, and these Ten Commandments were engraved by God himself, written by God himself, Okay. Now, because of the golden calf, uh, the first uh, version was, was shattered and uh, God had to write again. Okay? And that was the Old Testament of which, very clearly, the Bible says there was need for a new one which needed to replace it because this was a, a, a covenant that was given to us. Like it says here, it was uh, engraved with the letters of, on stone, but that ministry brought death. Okay? It was basically a, a message of condemnation of our sin. Because people didn't realize they were sinners. So God showed them how sinful they were. Okay? But now understand, we are now carrying the message that brings life. And, and, and this is one thing that we often miss out, you know? We, we don't see the glorious results of the ministry that we are doing. You know, sometimes you, 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 you labor, you sweat, you're on that pulpit and you think nobody is responding to anything. But you must not forget, actually, you are carrying the word that comes with glory. Okay? If the word that brought death came with glory, how much more glory is the word of life carrying? That's the, the, the word of of. of, of of God here through Paul. Okay? The, the face of Moses had to be covered, but it was only, only in a transition. You know, after some time, you know, that glory was no longer there. For us, it's always there. Okay? You may not need to cover your, your face, you know. Unfortunately, the face mask you are carrying has nothing to do with the glory of God. It has got something to do with the virus. Okay? Uh, how I wish we would carry a, a, a veil just to to hold on the uh, to, to the, the, the glory of God because otherwise people are falling and dying. Okay, anyway, shouldn't be like that. Okay, uh, so the ministry that brings righteousness is the ministry that is given to us, and you know because it's that ministry that brings righteousness, it's a tough ministry. Verse 10. Now, this is a very important verse. For what was glorious has no glory now in, with, in comparison with the surpassing glory. Okay? So the Old Testament now, it, has, it was a shadow of things. It has lost its, its, its shine. Okay? But what we carry 
is a message with a surpassing glory. And if what was transitionary came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? You know, you carry a message that lasts. You know, you should be more confident. And when I say you must be more confident, I don't mean self-confident, but I, I, I tell you you must be more confident in the word that you carry because it comes with glory. You may not see it, but it is there. That's a glory that lasts. Okay, it's not, it's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's not there for a, for a few weeks and then it's fading. Okay, it's not there for a season of the Old Testament and then when the New Testament comes, it's fading. No, the, the message that Christ has given to us to carry is an ultimate message, ever surpassing glory. Surpassing glory which you and I carry. You know, sometimes we are not aware, we are, we, are not, we are not realizing the message that we carry is a glorious message. Okay? Now, if you don't see it, how do you expect uh, your congregation to see it? Hello? You know, read this. Read this 10 times. Read it 20 times. Read it 100 times. Until you realize the message I carry is a surpassing glory. Okay, it's a life message. Okay, it will bring transformation. It's a, it's a glory that lasts. And you know, remember what, what, Peter, what Paul was saying before, you know. He says, we have had pressure beyond our ability to endure. We are descendants of this. But then he talks about the glory. The lasting message. So these are not contradictions. These are coupled together. You know, it's like two sides of one coin. And that we must recognize. We must understand. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. You know, people of God, people of... uh, the call of God must not be timid. We must learn to be bold. You know, uh, this, is, this is our call. That's why my name is prophetic, you know. Why, why, why my parents gave me this name, I don't know. What, they, what was in their mind, I think it was just because, you know, there were other Helmuts in the, in the, in the, in the family. But actually, from, from my perspective as a, as, a, as, a, as a man called by God, I know that name is prophetic. Because Helmut means the bright boldness. Bright boldness. Okay? And I've not always been bold. But when I came to know the Lord, I became bold. Okay, sometimes I've been timid, you know, I must confess. But I've learned to be bold. I've learned to honor my name. Okay? I love my name. Okay? Even so, it's not an English name. It's not a name that is very easy to be, to be pronounced by people. But uh, for me, it's a very important name. Okay? M-U-T, that means bold. 
Okay, that's the second part of my name. H-E-L means bright. Okay, so now you know what my name is, what your father's name is. Okay. So, the Bible says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not only bold, but we are very bold. And brothers and sisters, we, we, we need to have boldness. You know, we don't need to be intimidated by, by the people, you know. That's why you should never compete with anybody. Because if you compete with others, then they will intimidate you by what they do. You must never allow the devil to intimidate you in any way at all, you know. You have the right to be bold because you're carrying the word of the Lord. You're carrying something that lasts, the glory that lasts. You know, we are very privileged people. Very, very privileged. Therefore, since we have such a hope, okay, not we'll get one day in the sweet by and by, but therefore we have such a hope. We are very bold. Okay? So, you know, this would be some good confessions for a change. Okay, if you don't know, you know, some people confess all kinds of uh, ridiculous things. But these are, these are confessions that are given to us by God himself. This is word of God, okay? This is word of God. And then Paul says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Okay, so in other words, we are not apologizing for what we have. We are not hiding it. You know, some of you, you are hiding what you have. You know, you're saying, oh no, we are just a small church. No, we are just this. And Come on, shut up. You know, <laughs> be bold. You know, go on, a, go on a place where you have never been because you were too timid and, and just speak in boldness. Okay? Don't be afraid because you have been given something that is not passing. You have been given value. You have been given a, a, a treasure in a human vessel. Okay? So, don't be like Moses who who, who followed the, the pleading of the people of Israel, please cover yourself. We can't, we can't look at you. No, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and the, uh, Moses did it. But Paul says we are not like Moses. Their minds were made dull, okay? Because they were not looking at the glory. They were made dull. You know, actually... The glory is given, the word of, the, of glory is given to us so that people's light are brightening up. And if you are covering the word of God with your false humility, then you are making people dull. Okay? You know, humility is important, but false humility is uh, pride. Okay? False humility is no humility at all. It's actually the opposite. I can't get you. Okay, you know, humility, I think we all understand what it is. Jesus was humbling himself even to the death on the cross. Okay? False humility is when you are saying, no, you know, uh, you're, you're coming in, in very sweet sound, but actually 
you want you try to coax people to praise you. You get my point. You are trying to to appear like you have a, a shine of humility, but in reality you don't have it. And you can find out very easily, you know, if you step them on their toe, you will see who they really are. Okay? Whether they're really humble. You know, if you step on a, on a, on a toe of a, of, a, of a sheep, what will you hear? Eh, eh. Okay? You will, will make them mourn or whine. Eh? But if you are having somebody who comes to you as a wolf in sheep's clothes, and you step on their toe, what will happen? <laughs> you understand? That's a very easy test, you know. That's, that's what is false humility. People who are coming in sheep's clothes, but they're actually wolves inside. Okay? And I tell you, you would be shocked how many wolves we have around, you know? They are, you know, sheep clothes is very easy to, 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 to put on. Very easy. But just because somebody is wearing sheep clothes, don't be deceived. Because sheep clothes does not mean that you have a sheep. Okay? And the test is on the, you know, like we say, the, the, the test is in the eating. The pudding is in the eating, yeah? So step on the toe of a sheep. You know that's a, that's a sheep. Huh? Step on the, uh, on the toe of somebody who is a wolf in sheep's clothes. Then you know this is not a sheep. <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> All right? So, you know, we are ministers of the new covenant. We carry the most, the most treasures, the most precious commodity the world has ever seen and will ever see, and that is the word of God. This, is, this word has made the world. This word has brought everything into being. And we must use that word according to God's specification, not our specification. We can't abuse it. We must use it according to what he told us to do. Okay? And when you carry that word, you must be bold. You must not be timid. You don't, must not hide it. You know, there are too many people who are hiding the word of God. You know, I, when, I, when, I, when I first came to ministry, after Bible college, for one reason or the other, I don't know why, God, God gave me uh, a congregation that was very problematic. In fact, before my arrival, it had split up. And uh, they told me, no, okay, we have split, but now everything is, is, you know, you can now start working on it. It's now good, okay? Of course, when you come from the Bible college, you know, you think you can change the world in a few days. And uh, because, you know, you've got a lot of wrong stuff in your head. Uh, Bible college can be a very devastating place, you know, because you get all the, the wrong concepts. So I came to this church, not Ecclesia, church. Okay. And sooner or later I realized something is not okay here. I, I didn't know what was wrong, but something was wrong. Okay. Now I tried to find out what happened, why did the other group go away, and you know, they were telling me, no, there was this, there were this, com- this conflict and that conflict, and what have you, you know, and... Uh, uh, I, I, it took me a while to come to the 
to the ground of this whole thing. After some time, I realized that the, the problem people were still there. Those who had gone, they had gone because they couldn't stand it anymore. Okay? But the problem people were still in my midst, you know? And so now I came face to face with a big problem. It was a very small church, but a very big problems. Okay? And so I was, I was trying to handle things that I didn't know how to handle because in Bible college they never, they never taught us how to handle such issues. Okay, that's why here we are talking about these things, you know. The tough things. So I was dancing around this problem for a while, but then I realized uh, I, I won't go anywhere until this, this problem is being resolved. And, you know, I didn't even know where the problem really was. I could see a little bit of problem here, a little bit of problem there. I could see something rising its neck, ugly head here, something rising its ugly head. But I couldn't see the whole story. Okay? After some time, I decided to confront one of the, one of the guys who, who was uh, really trying to preach heresy. You know, there was one elder in the, in the, in the congregation... And, uh, you know, before I came, there were two elders in that, in that congregation, and they were usually uh, alternating in preaching. Okay? So when I came, of course, I was taking most of the ministries, but then every month, you know, one would preach, then the other one, next month, the other one. And then there was that other elder who, every time he was supposed to preach, he says, no, I'm going to give my, my slot to my friend who was not even in our church, but you used to be a pastor sometime back, you know, somewhere else, but uh, I don't know exactly. I didn't know at that time what had happened, but so he brought this guy in. And, you know, he was, he was very eloquent. He could speak very good. And at the beginning, you know, I didn't think much about it. You know, it looked okay. Okay, there were some strange things he said, but, you know, you know sometimes people are saying strange things. <laughs> When he preached about two or three times, I realized, no, something is not right here, okay? Then I spoke to the other elder who was very, very upset, you know, he says, no, we can't, we can't allow this thing to continue. So I tried to find out, can you tell me more about this? Because me, you brought me here, but you, you didn't give me any background. So he didn't really want to give me much background. He was, I think he was a bit afraid to, to say too much. So I did my own homework, okay? I tried to find out, you know, what, what was the problem with this man? Why did he leave ministry in that particular uh, congregation? Why is he roaming around? Because he was not having a, a particular church where he was preaching. So I was trying to find out. So I got a few leads, a, few, a little bit of inf information. Then one day, uh, we had a visitor. Uh, okay, we had invited a, another pastor uh, to do a crusade. Uh, at, our, at our church. And uh, it so happened that he and the, and the gentleman who came to preach uh, strange things, they used to be together in Bible college. And so I didn't know that at first when he came, but eventually the subject came to this issue. And I asked him, listen, I, I, I'm not sure what is going on here. There's something strange, but I can't really put my finger on it. Then he gave me the background of that story. And it was a bad background. Okay? 
So he told me, listen, you need to deal with this issue. Now me, I'm a little guy, you know, just coming from Bible college, and I'm supposed to deal with the big problem. Nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody wants to do anything, no, because everybody was afraid to touch the, the thing, and now they left it to me, a uh, little guy. And I was wondering, God, why did you bring me here? But today, or even after that happened, I knew that God wanted me to, to learn a very important lesson. Okay? So after that uh, gentleman, the, 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 the evangelist had gone and had given me some, some, uh, some uh, background information, I was wondering, what is my next step? And uh, before too long, you know, I think it was not even two weeks or one week, uh, probably two weeks, one week or two weeks, uh, this elder uh, uh, told me again, okay, th uh, my next slot I'm giving to my friend again to preach. <laughs> and I said, okay, I think I will visit him. Okay. So I decided to visit him. He was working in some, uh, some, uh, you know, uh, some secular. It was, it was, uh, you know, we were in a harbor city, and there were, there was a ministry. It was from a mainline church. They had a, a place where they were taking care of, uh, of uh, um, people who went to sea and sometimes needed help and things like that. So. He wasn't really in ministry, but that's what he was, was he, what he was running. So, when I was told by the elder that he's going to take my session and he's going to preach for me, I said, okay, let me, let me first go and see him. So I made an appointment with him. I sat down. He got very excited when, he, when I came to see him. And then he took time. He says, okay, come sit here. Now, I sat in a very narrow library, you know, it was a narrow library. On one side, there were shelves and books all over. On the other side, we had, you know, next to the wall, we had the table, and I sat here, he sat there. Okay. So I tried to inquire, you know, from these leads that I had been, that had been strange. I was asking, you know, to tell me, explain me a little bit. What, what do you mean with this or that or that, the other thing that you are talking about? And so he was very excited because he thought he can make a disciple. So he began to speak. And what he said was shivering, made me shiver, you know, made me shake, literally shake. Because the guy said, you know, from the time when I went to ministry, I always wanted to, to see signs and wonders. Sounds good, isn't it? Being Pentecostal, you want to see signs and wonders, okay? So far, no, no problem. Then he said, but the, the signs and wonders did not happen. Then I realized there was a problem. We, make, we made a mistake. Okay, so I consulted the literature. And he pointed to some books there. And uh, to my shock and amazement, these were a book of magic. 
He says, this is white magic, this is black magic. I'm not, I'm not going for black magic, but white magic. <laughs> then he, he informed me that actually what the Bible calls evil spirits are just neurosis. Okay, they are diseases. <laughs> okay, and because they are diseases, you can treat them in a certain way. So he said, now, you see, I have now learned from, from those books, because, you know, the Bible is outdated, you know, the, 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 the language is supposed to be changed, but these guys, they change the language. So now we, we know what it is really all about. Then he told me something which I've been wondering about. He says, uh, have you ever watched, have you ever read in the newspaper? And uh, for sure I did, you know. There were some, uh, some, some small, you know, these classified uh, announcements where somebody was announcing, you know, uh, call me, I will heal your disease, I will do this and that, and you know. And I was wondering who is going to, because normally you don't see this in German newspapers, you know. It's not like here, uh, like... You know, like when we had the post, it was full of this stuff, you know. The prophets that are announcing they're coming and they're, they're giving you potency and everything that you want. Okay? Uh, so in, in the German newspapers, that was not something that you would expect. So I was wondering, this is something strange. And I, Of course, there was no address there. You had to write to a newspaper in order to get the contact. So, of course, I never did that. So then he told me, that is me. And you know... <laughs> and he says, you know, a lot of people contact me, and uh, if they are religious, I will pray for them. If they are not religious, I will speak the things that I have learned from the, from the book of magic. And he says, you know, people get healed. So he tried to convince me, you know, this is the word that you need, you know, we, we must not remain outdated or, or, or old-fashioned, we need something new now. But I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, my, 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 my legs became very soft, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, to make matters worse, you know, there was a table like this and another table on the other side. And then he put some, some funny, you know, at, at first I didn't think anything about it. But then he put some candles there and he put fire on the candles and some very funny smell. You know, I didn't realize what it was. Only later on I realized this was all part of the magic. Okay. And he was very sure that he could convince me. So, you know, we talked, I think it must have been hours when he was trying to disciple me. <laughs> And uh, trying to convince me, you know, that actually, uh, you know, we call the evil the devil. But it's not the devil. It's just these are diseases. These are neuroses. And these are things that can be healed. So we don't have to be afraid of a devil or of demons. These are things that we can deal with. And he says, I've got a lot of success. When I was a pastor and I was trying to do it according to, to what we have learned in Bible college, it never worked. But now it works. Of course, the devil also masquerades as an angel of light, isn't it? So anyway, uh, I came to a point where I had no more words. So finally, I said, I think it's time for me to go. And please, don't worry. Don't bother to come on that Sunday because uh, I'll I preach on that Sunday. <laughs> and that was the last, the last time I ever had a closer encounter with him. Okay, I met him every now and then here and there. 
But now he, he became really annoyed with me. He says, you are also these old-fashioned guys, you know. So he really, he really insulted me. But I was very humble. I was just very quiet. He says, don't worry. You don't need to worry about it. Okay? So I left. But of course, I still had another problem. Because the very same man, the very same so-called elder who always brought him in, he was part of that, of that group. They had actually uh, their own uh, home cell where they were doing the magic. Okay? And of course they did that before. That's why there was the first split. Okay? And then I didn't know that there was a, quite a number of people who were in that small congregation. I mean, it was already small, about 30 people. There must have been a lot more, about 10 people or 12 people who were with, with that group. And they were doing magic every week. And now I'm coming from Bible college to preach the, 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 to the guys who are doing magic. And you know what? Every, every, every Sunday, almost every Sunday, especially one of the, 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 the wife of that elder, she had a vision. But not a vision that was, uh, you know, straightforward. It was always, it was always in a tunnel and now the light becomes clearer and clearer. And very, almost we are there, almost, you know. <laughs> So now, I went home, and, uh, you know, mom and I, we had discussed this, and mom felt very uncomfortable around these people. To make mother's words, we were living in the same house. They were upstairs, we were downstairs. <laughs> you know, but before I even came home, the phone had already gone to, to that so-called elder. He already knew what the problem was, what the issue was. So I called him, I said, listen, I need to talk to him, because he was a youth leader. Can you imagine, the youth leader, influencing young people. So I said, I think I need to talk to you. So I came to talk to him. Now I had learned some few things from that other gentleman. Okay, there's no devil. So I asked him, tell me, what do you believe? Do you believe that there's a devil? So he tell, told me a lot of stuff which I didn't want to hear. He says, I want you to ask, answer my question. He says, you know, uh, you are using uh, words that do not, do not help us. You know, we, we, we need to use our good thoughts to change the world, you know. Eventually we can bring about the change. You know, this, this same vision which the wife always had. You know, we are in a, in a fog, but it's becoming clearer and clearer. You know, that was... They believe that with their good ideas and their good uh, thoughts and their magic, they can change the world. Because for them, a devil did not exist. So I said, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I, I, from now on I take up your function. You, you don't need to bother going to homes uh, to, to, to youth meeting anymore. I will, I will take up. Can you imagine it was tough for me to do that? That's where I learned boldness. By nature, I was not a bold guy. Okay, maybe a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> okay? I had to learn boldness. And te I tell you, listen, the authority that we have is based upon Scripture. It's based upon the Word of God. And that's what Paul says here, you know, very, very clearly. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who 
covered himself with a veil on his face to prevent the Israel from seeing the end of what was passing away. Because we have the living word. The word of God is given to us. It's our ministry. We are, we are the ministers of a new covenant. Okay? That glory is being revealed in what God has given to us. You don't need to, to manufacture glory. You know, this is what we are, being, what we are trying to do with the, the so-called praise and worship that we do. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not against songs. I, I'm not against singing. I love singing. I love good songs. But you cannot manufacture glory. The glory is not in the songs. The glory is in the word. Okay? The glory is in the word. Please take, take note of that. So write it down. So if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? God has given us the word of life, the word of righteousness. For what was glorious had, has no glory now. Okay, that is in reference to the Old Testament. In comparison with the surpassing glory, that is the word of life. That word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's surpassing glory. Okay? And if that which was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Powerful, isn't it? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are very bold. We are very bold. We are very bold. You know, you should say this to yourself. Okay? Stand in front of the mirror and say, you and I, we are very bold. Okay? And, 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 and rehearse this not only with your mirror image in the mirror, but also rehearse this with, with the people who are with you in ministry. We are very bold. We don't have to hide the word of God. Okay? So, you know, what I wanted to say, when I came into that situation, I didn't realize that at first, but they told me, you know, when you preach, you know, you need to, to be sensitive. Some people called it seeker sensitive. Okay? So they told me, you know, uh, the word of God contains the, uh, I mean, the Bible contains the word of God, but some of it is not the word of God. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. Okay, so any word that was a bit offensive, they cut it out. And a lot of preachers do that. Do you know that? Yeah. A lot of preachers. You know, like, and, and, and you know, maybe you got, uh, you, you have a scripture and the scripture is very powerful, and then it, it, it comes with some, with some hammer behind. And you're saying, okay, I'm ending there before the hammer comes. <laughs> but you are not doing the right thing. You let the word of God speak for itself. You know, if there is something that is not pleasing to you, you are not the author. And you cannot cut short. Okay. So, think again, okay? Next time you, you prepare for preaching, don't, don't cut uh, something off that is there. 
because maybe it's hard. And you say, my people need to be encouraged, otherwise they will be discouraged. No, that, let the word of God do its job. Okay? The good and the bad. In fact, as, I, as, as, as we have read, you know, the word of God is the aroma of God. Okay? It's a very good smelling aroma. Powerful aroma. God is pleased for you to carry that aroma. Even so, to some people it brings life, but to some people it brings death. But that's not your problem. Okay? You just carry the word. You just let the word be the word. You know, this is the problem with uh, the motivational stuff. You know, people are always good. They, they take the same Bible that we have and they just, you know, pull out the sweets. Even if there is a challenge, even if there is a condition there, they remove the condition and they're just uh, only giving you the, the thing. For, for your God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, full stop. But you're not reading the story. Okay, this story is actually in the same scripture, in the same book of Second uh, Corinthians. Okay. And, and you know, we, we, we read it in different places. So, in other words, these people uh, in, in uh, the, the, the address of, 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 of Paul, they are given, they're given a mandate to support the church in Jerusalem and so on because they were in need. Okay? He talks to them very clearly about, about the needs. And uh, these are people, you know, like the... The Philippians, for instance, very powerfully, you know, you have that uh, scripture. The Philippians, they were coming to the help of, 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 of those who are suffering. And then, of course, he comes with that scripture, you know, that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But you don't read what happened before, because these people have been sacrificially giving. Okay? Now, somebody who is not giving even a, 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 a uh, uh, 50 cents, 15 gui. 15 gui is our smallest smallest coin. Huh? But some people, they cannot even part with 15 gui. But then they're saying, may my God supply all my needs with, according to his riches in glory. You hypocrite. You know? You can't give anything. No. Go back and read. Go back and study so that you find out what is the condition for the riches of glory to come upon your life. Okay? That is what is important. Maybe if somebody finds the scripture, we read it. Okay, a motivational speaker will, will take that scripture and bend it beyond description. You understand? Bend it beyond description. Just like uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9, because this is a similar scripture, you know, where the Bible tells us 
you know, the generosity is being encouraged. Chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart and not give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay? The motivational speaker cuts the first part off, cuts the next part off, and just reads, my God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, and you will abound in every good work. But it comes with conditions, my friends. Okay, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Now, if you just butcher the word of God, you're in trouble. Okay, because the, 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 the word of God at the end of the book of Revelation... The Bible says, whoever cuts off something, God will cut off from you. Whoever adds something, he will add you, uh, trouble in your life. So don't cut the word of God. We are not motivational speakers. We are the preachers of the word. We need to preach the whole word in its fullness, in its entirety. Because otherwise, we are guilty of fraud. Okay, because this is not your word. You know, you are blatcherizing. You are taking something and you use it for your own for your own context, but you cut out the other stuff. So that we have no right to do. Okay, isn't that isn't that nice to have such a wonderful verse and the God who is able to bless you abundantly? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I'm not sarcastic, you know. This is a true word. But it's not true for people who are sowing sparingly. It's not true for people who are stealing from the Lord. Okay? So, please, this must be clear. So, don't be a motivational speaker who just picks the sweets here and there. And then you say, ah. You know, this is, and then you can ever be smiling, ever be happy, you know, in the Joel Austin type, you know, (laughs) ever, ever on top of everything else. That is not the gospel. I'm telling you, it's not a gospel. Say what you want. If you don't like it, it's up to you. It's your problem. It's not my problem. But the gospel is complete. Okay. The gospel says as it is, so sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Okay? Don't even apply that scripture to you if you are so inspiring. Are we together? My time is running away. But anyway, let's, let's go a few more steps because tomorrow we have another agenda. And uh, it's very important that I finish that. Chapter 3. So remember, be bold with the word that God has given to you. You have no need to apologize for the word of God. Whether it's saying something sweet or whether it's saying something harsh, you need to be a correct carrier of the word. Deliver the word as is. Then you are a sweet aroma 
of God. If you are butchering the word of God, then, you know, something will be butchered in your life. That's, that's the promise of God. And remember, if you are veiling the word that God has given you, then the people you are serving will be dull. Okay, that's what scripture says here. Okay, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israel from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old, test, uh, the old covenant is read. They are dull. Okay, they can't understand. They can't see because there was a veil. The word of God became veiled. And you know, God has not called us to veil his word, but to reveal his word, to preach his word, to let the light shine. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You know, if you are, if you are on, a, on, a, uh, on a mountain, your light cannot be hidden. If you are put on the table, your light cannot be hidden. You don't put it underneath to hide the light. So it is making people dull. So in other words, people who are just motivational speakers, it makes people dull. Okay? Because they will never understand the full, the full secret of God. They are just going for sweets, for junk food, which is making them sick to the bone. Okay, to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Testament is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. So those who are still continuing without Christ in his fullness, they are still remaining dull. Okay, and uh, you see, like, unfortunately, our Jewish brethren, they are still preaching a word that is dull. Okay, they are not seeing the glory of that covenant as it was actually given because it was veiled to them. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever anyone is turning to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. Praise God. I think we all know that word, isn't it? But, you know, again, we are motivational guys. We are only knowing that word. We don't know the other rest. <laughs> Am I right? We are picking, bah, ah, this is a good word. But we are not understanding the whole word. So we need to really cover the word as a whole in its fullness. Okay. Because if the veil is not taken away, like the, the Paul says, even to this day when Moses is read, the veil covers their heart. If they cover, uh, the, the veil is not removed, then they will not know the truth. They will still be dull. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, okay, the veil is taken away. Okay, because when you come to Christ, there is no more veil. Okay? And that's when the word of God comes that we now, we, we know, because we are, we, are, we are looking for goodies in the, in the haystack, okay? We are looking for that needle that uh, 
is uh, found, you know. We, we know all these motivational scriptures, eh? but we are not taking them into context. So please, don't just preach one verse. Preach the whole, the whole context. And be bold about that. Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise God. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So in other words, if you get the whole word, okay, if you remove the veil, if you get the whole word, if you get the whole glory of the word, then transformation is going to take place. Okay? Then the glory of God will bring change. Because it brings the image of God into our lives. Okay? The Lord's glory is meant to be transforming us into the image of God in ever-increasing glory. Ever-increasing glory. You should not be who you were yesterday. You should not be who you were last year. You should not be who you were when you were born again. You should have an ever-increasing glory. Okay? That's what God's word is meant to do. Okay? God's word is not a word that we must hide. It's not a word we must apologize for. Let the word of God do its job. Okay? Don't be a motivational preacher. Okay? Don't look for the nice scriptures and say, okay, uh, this one looks, sounds good, this one sounds good, this one sounds good, and the rest you cut out. It's dangerous. You know? Slap yourself if you want to do that. You know, sometimes we're so entrenched in our minds. You understand? You must, you must discipline yourself. Okay? You must discipline yourself to remove the veil from the word. So that the word of God will do for what it is being sent. You know, the the scripture says, how lovely are the feet of him who brings good news. But he's not supposed to bring motivational talk. You know, yes, there is a little bit of God's word, but the rest is cut. Don't butcher the word of God. If you want to become a butcher, go into the the place where you can uh, follow that job. But not in the word of God. Don't butcher the word of God. It's not your word. It's not my word. It's God's word. You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Not by selected word, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And whatever is in scripture is the word that has proceeded from the mouth of God. Okay? Don't ever be like that guy who told me, you know, you you need to preach uh, the, the, the word of God. So that which is not word of God, we cut it. Who gave you the, the right to decide what is word of God and what is not? You know, this is the word of God as he has given to us. This has proceeded from the mouth of God and it has power. It is glorious. It gives you boldness. But only when you are preaching it faithfully. Okay? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not uh, selected words that I like but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'll leave it here. You know, I think we are learning a lot of uh, good things uh, 
but which reflects the true image of the ecclesia. Okay, the true image of God's wonderful work, you know, the ecclesia of God, the people who call out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? Amen. So I've given you food for thought, and I leave it now to my brother to, to wind up. Changing me and changing you, we have come to the thunder that deserted words impart. Ever true, changing me and changing you. Has come with open eyes. Let the ancient words impose. Maybe we sing it again with a higher key, you know? Yeah. We can just close our window. <clears throat>